yes, hello, podcast time. Hey everybody, welcome to the Arch Independent Show. I am Tommy, I am the host. Shall we begin? How about a few quick hitters to get us started? Quick hitter, number one, Live Golf. Live is a brand new professional golf tour. The concept is to create a more modern, more fun format for golf. Rather than that traditional PGA Tour format, where golf is an individual sport, it's really dry and kind of stuffy sometimes, Live Golf rolls out with a team format, and they have a draft, and they use match play scoring. It's kind of like the XFL of golf, if that makes any sense to you. And I'm not a hardcore traditionalist, so I think it's really cool. I enjoyed watching it, but I'm not really interested in talking about the format. What I'm interested in talking about is the Live Golf Tour is financed by the Public Investment Fund, which is the Sovereign Wealth Fund of Saudi Arabia. Uh-oh, Saudi Arabia. You see where this is going, don't you? The midwits are now going to try to politicize golf in a virtue-signaling blaze of glory. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but that led me to have a couple of brief exchanges on social media. The one that probably stuck out the most was the suggestion that a reporter should ask the live golf players, are you aware that Saudi Arabia bought and paid for 9-11 just like they bought and paid for you? And my response was, why would anyone want a reporter to harass golfers? Is that really where you think you should jam politics into the conversation? And, of course, the midwit reply was, I have no problem with people who care and are hurt saying things like that to the players. <laughs> people are hurt by golfers playing on the live tour? Uh, Alright, well... Since folks seem to insist on making Live Golf political, let's go ahead and do the poli-sci exercise. First off, we were having this exchange on Twitter. The Saudis are the largest shareholder in Twitter. I'm not sure how the righteous bros square that one. They're upset at golfers participating in a Saudi event and they're complaining about it on a platform where the Saudis are the largest shareholder. <laughs> That's just the start. It gets better. Because in the last 20 years, anyone who voted for any major party presidential candidate, or essentially any member of the U.S. Congress, those people are directly responsible for enriching and empowering the Saudi regime. The politicians that they voted for, they're the ones who created the extraordinary wealth that the hateful Saudi regime is now using to run Live Golf. These people directly enabled the rise of the crown prince. 
I mean, as of 2021, the U.S. and the Saudis have $126 billion in active G2G government-to-government military contracts alone. That's just the military part of it before we even get into any of the energy trade. So this whole Saudi enrichment, it's on you, U.S. voter. You are the root cause. But instead of holding themselves accountable for their terrible voting decisions and how they negatively impact the world, these clowns turn around and lash out at golfers on a platform owned by the Saudis. You got shit for brains or what? I mean, I guess their heart might be in the right place, but it's impossible not to conclude that they're a bunch of vapid, politically illiterate, virtue-signaling dunces. In fact, the current President of the United States, who many of these people no doubt voted for, he's currently planning a diplomatic envoy to Saudi Arabia. But I get it, most people are way too weak-minded to actually do this simple poli-sci exercise and then hold themselves accountable for being the ones who are responsible for enriching this hateful Saudi regime. Instead, we get this cycle where the woke heroes of the world attack golfers. Oh my lord, it is pathetic in every way. People who look past their own unclean hands to jump in someone else's face to moralize, they're the fucking nut low. A quick hitter. Number two. A deranged individual, fueled up on hateful leftist rhetoric, showed up at Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh's home with a gun and the intent to assassinate him. That seems bad. Well, to me, it seems bad, but of course, we are such a toxic mess of a culture that some people now celebrate this type of political violence. The criminal complaint provides us the details and seems rather extreme. Quote, an inventory search of the seized suitcase and backpack revealed a black tactical chest rig and tactical knife a Glock 17 pistol with two magazines and ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, a hammer, a screwdriver, a nail punch, a crowbar, pistol light, duct tape, hiking boots with padding on the outside of the soles, and other items. End quote. Oh my, that is quite an inventory. Zip ties, duct tape, hammer crowbar nail punch uh what was the plan here homie continuing with the complaint quote after being transported to the montgomery county police department second district precinct a detective advised mr roski of his constitutional rights mr roski indicated that he understood his rights agreed to speak with the agents and signed a written waiver to that effect Mr. Roski then told the detective that he was upset about the leak of a recent Supreme Court draft decision regarding the right to abortion, as well as the recent school shooting in Ovalde, Texas. 
Mr. Roski indicated that he believed the justice that he intended to kill would side with the Second Amendment decisions that would loosen gun control laws. Mr. Roski stated that he began thinking about how to give his life purpose and decided that he would kill the Supreme Court justice after finding the justice's Montgomery County address on the internet. End quote. So he's just jacked up to the gills on the hateful rhetoric that he hears from the left all day, every day, and now he's ready to kill. Again, that seems bad to me. I find it kind of troubling, but maybe not as troubling as seeing a noticeable segment of partisans who fully support his behavior. They want anyone who isn't a member of their tribe to live in fear. And they're going to crank up the rhetoric to even more ghoulish levels because that's who they are. Within 48 hours of the attempted murder of Brett Kavanaugh, they were already in the press talking about how they had to double down. And you may recall that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer made his infamous Unleash the Whirlwind on Kavanaugh speech, where he whipped up the rhetoric and the hysteria as high as he could get it. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. Uh Uh-huh. Of course, that's well short of the definition of incitement. Let's not get it twisted. No reasonable person would suggest that Chuck Schumer is in any legal jeopardy for his comments. There's no direct connection between Schumer and the attempted murder of Kavanaugh. However, the universe has a wonderful sense of humor. So after all the pearl clutching about inciting insurrections, we get this. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. And that is followed by a gunman trying to assassinate the justice. I guess I should pause. I don't know how many people are even aware that this happened. It's not like the major media made it the lead story. Deranged dude fueled up on hateful Democrat rhetoric trying to assassinate a Supreme Court justice is just not the kind of thing that we discuss in polite company. No wall-to-wall coverage on this attempted murder. Speaking of that, just by coincidence, Representative Jackie Speer was making a floor speech in Congress not long after the arrest for attempted murder went down. Of course, Jackie survived the 1978 Jonestown massacre. Jim Jones, the drink the Kool-Aid guy. Well, the Jonestown goons shot up an envoy that wanted to check in on what Jim and the crew were doing down there in Guyana. And Jackie Spear took five rounds in that exchange. But thankfully, she was able to survive. Anyway, she was on the floor and she said, quote, I believe I'm the only member of this house that is the victim of gun violence. My body is riddled with bullets. End quote. Uh, you missed a few, Jackie. How could anyone forget that just a few years ago, A psychotic Bernie bro, fueled up on that stupid collusion rhetoric, attempted to assassinate 
the entire Republican baseball team because he thought they were working with Russia. Representative Steve Scalise, he faced life-threatening gunshot wounds in that attack. Representative Roger Williams suffered a foot injury, diving to avoid the spray of bullets. A Capitol Police officer, two legislative aides, and a lobbyist were shot and wounded in that attack. Now, I don't know if Jackie Spear was just being shamefully dishonest. It's possible. Or she may have honestly just forgot about the Scalise shooting. Because the mainstream media, they quickly shuffled that story out of the headlines without any of their usual sensationalistic coverage. Oh, no, no, no. No blaring headlines, no repeating it over and over on that one. When a deranged leftist tries to assassinate a bunch of GOP Congress members while writing about the insane collusion fairy tale in his manifesto, you can bet your sweet ass the media won't be covering that with any intensity. There's not going to be any of that typical echo chamber coverage there. When left-wing extremists shoot up a bunch of house reps or attempt to murder a Supreme Court justice, you better not blink or you'll miss it. Compare that to the completely fake Whitmer kidnapping plot, which got like 10 times the amount of press. You gotta protect the brand, right, homies? Honk, honk. Hey, how about some more political violence? It's the new coolest thing. You may recall that after the 2020 election, we had a little riot over at the Capitol. And now here recently, the January 6th committee is rolling out their production. And oh boy, is it a production. It's the first time in history that the majority party refused to seat the minority's appointees on a select committee. (laughs) How great is that? Nancy Pelosi used the parliamentary gimmick of rewriting the House rules And then Pelosi picked all of the GOP members that are on this January 6th committee. (laughs) I know, right? Uh, I'm just going to fill out your starting lineup for you. You don't mind that, do (laughs) you? Such a scam. But hey, that is how it goes in Congress. The majority party makes the rules. And no matter who the majority is, throughout my entire life, they've constantly done shitty and unethical things like this. It's more like a fun trivia answer that this is the first time that one of the parties has taken the brazen step of changing the rules so they get to pick the other side's committee members. So, yeah, it's all kabuki theater. It's a bunch of disingenuous politicians, and they're flinging shit at me the way a monkey might at the zoo. The January 6th committee has absolutely no integrity, but I'm not the target audience anyway. It's a theatrical production. It's aired in prime time, and it's designed to motivate useful idiots so the Democrats can maybe try to avoid getting wiped out in the midterms. The Democrats control the government, and it's in complete shambles. So, fuck it. They're gonna try and ring the Orange Man bad bell one more time. But 
none of their bad faith motives change the fact that the MAGA carnival trespassed upon the Capitol during the certification. And along with Viking Man and the Cosplay Squad, there were a couple of extremely violent cells of Proud Boy, Oath Keeper, or whatever the hell those retards call themselves. They created a riot, and it's a super fucking ugly moment in history. My only hope is that people will maybe learn something from this and not do insane shit like this again. But at the same time, unfortunately, the events of January 6th have now been exaggerated beyond recognition. Uh, people who compare January 6th to 9-11, they're just as retarded as the Oath Boys. But I get it. They can't help themselves. They need it to be 9-11. As sick as that sounds, these people are mentally ill. They spent years in that unhinged Trump derangement syndrome. They've got to cling to something because none of their cartoonish rants about the fascist dictator who starts World War III and causes massive death and despair, none of that ever came true. Not even close. January 6th is what they have. So now they try and make it into this over-the-top mythical event, and they invent crazy narratives where there is a direct connection between Trump and the Oathridge boys. Of course, back here in reality, Trump had no direct connection to the riot. He's nowhere near the definition of incitement. It's just like we talked about with Chuck Schumer. The universe loves me, right? So it gives me Chuck Schumer reap the whirlwind Kavanaugh attempted murder at the same time I get January 6th committee Trump incited an insurrection. Obviously, there is a noticeable difference in the way these events are covered by the establishment media. Trump is the felonious inciter-in-chief, while Schumer is the righteous call for justice. But I'm seriously not trying to fall into the rut of media bashing. Their time has almost expired anyway. The independent content creators are taking over. Anyway. I've done episodes on the January 6th riot. They're in the archive if you want to go back. As I said then and again now, it is an ugly fucking moment in history. It was a shameful display of lunacy. Yeah, there were some funny moments when it was a cosplay carnival and they're carrying podiums around and shit like that. But don't get it twisted. There were also extremely violent moments and some lady got killed. I'll continue to condemn it. But also, as I said at the time, I am extremely confident that the MAGA clowns would rightfully be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And they have been. There is no justice denied here. The people who were involved in this were swiftly held to account. Sometimes, perhaps even beyond the full extent of the law, sometimes maybe tiptoeing right up to the old cruel and unusual punishment line. All of the cases are in DC courts, and the judges are not even trying to hide their partisanship and their contempt for the accused. Some of the proceedings have not exactly comported to regular due process, but 
when you storm the Capitol, you should probably expect some extremely harsh retribution. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Let me wrap it up. I'm not sure how much political capital there is to be made here from Nancy's January 6th Kabuki show. Kind of seems like trying to squeeze water out of a rock. The guise of this January 6th committee is to find out what happened. But anyone who took the event seriously found out what happened long ago. It's not like the prosecutions haven't been widely publicized. Aside from the Hollywood production quality, there's not much new here. The Trump derangement folks will continue to mythologize it, and they'll keep pretending that Trump incited an insurrection just like they pretended that Putin hacked the election. Meanwhile, the MAGA clowns will continue to justify having a riot in the Capitol and they will surely be lined up to get into the next rally so they can cheer on that fucking idiot game show host. So, in the end, is anyone going to vote differently in November because of this theatrical committee? No, probably not. All right, last quick hitter. The President of the United States of America was on the Jimmy Kimmel show recently. I think that is somewhat noteworthy because Joe Biden does not really do a lot of appearances, mostly because he's a dementia patient, and if he speaks for too long, he'll drift off into cuckoo land. (laughs) We've all seen that by now, haven't we? But the Jimmy Kimmel one absolutely killed me. I mean, we got to check this out. So there's a lot of major things we've done, but what we haven't done is we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is, uh, um, let me say another way. Well, see, that's kind of perfect. Joe is trying to claim that his administration has been a huge success, but they just haven't been able to communicate it. But then he fully glitches out during his big communication sentence. <laughs> the applesauce is leaking everywhere. We haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is, uh, um, let me say another way. (laughs) Uh, In the course of that interview with Kimmel, uh, in the sentences that he was able to complete, Biden might have said one accurate thing. Everything else he said was untrue. But Kimmel just played along like the good stooge, regardless of how absurd it got. It was exactly like how the hacks at Fox News would coddle Donald Trump when he said a bunch of lunatic stuff, rambling on incoherent, dishonest tirades. It's literally a mirror image, aside from the dementia thing. And that makes sense, because the major parties are completely indistinguishable. From funding hateful Saudi regimes, to electing dishonest jackass presidents, to engaging in absurd political violence. Why is our society still playing this moronic two-party utilitarian game while everything falls apart around us? I have no idea. We're arch indie for life over here.
Ladies and gentlemen, it is Big Pharma time. Let's close out the show with a segment on the FDA FOIA document dumps regarding the testing and approval of the Pfizer COVID-19 product. This is extremely dense material. Thousands and thousands of documents have now been produced by the FDA. You may recall that initially the FDA tried to delay producing these documents for like 70 years and the public had to file lawsuits just to get the FDA to follow the Freedom of Information rules. The court laughed at the absurdity of the FDA's position and told them, look, fucko, start producing the documents right now. I mean, try to get your head around that. Instead of being fully transparent about the jab that was being mandated on us, they tried to hide the records. And now that I've spent some time going through them, I understand why they wanted to keep all of this hidden. But Before I start to unpack some of the details in the documents, I think the best place to start is with the FDA approval of Pfizer's Comirnaty products. And what happened with Comirnaty is so fucking hard to believe, it seems fictional. And I seriously do not blame anyone who would rather just check out, this is ugly, and I get why people would want to pretend that humanity does not do this kind of stuff. But we do, and I am going to talk about it. The Pfizer Comirnaty product was approved by the FDA in August of 2021. However, the Comirnaty product did not actually exist. The FDA approved a product that had never been manufactured, so that was a little weird, but it got even stranger because as the various lawsuits were filed to challenge the vaccine mandates, we learned in the court filings that Pfizer still has not manufactured a single fucking vial of their FDA-approved Comirnaty product. And if you're wondering how the hell something like that can happen, I don't blame you. But it's a super important distinction because it means that every single person who has been jabbed was given the emergency use authorization product and not the FDA approved product. So first off, the entire FDA approval is completely disingenuous. It's designed to fool you into thinking there's an FDA approved product out there when there fucking isn't. Further, the emergency use authorization comes with complete indemnification. Pfizer cannot be held liable for any harm caused by an EUA product, whereas they would be fully liable if their FDA-approved product caused harm. This is an incredible mirage. The product doesn't fucking exist. But the government needed something to support their desire to mandate this jab, and by law, EUA treatments are supposed to come with a right of refusal if an unproven pharmaceutical is brought to the market under emergency use designation, you don't have to take it. 
And that was one of the main reasons it kept coming up in the lawsuits against the mandates. The FDA had tried to con us all by approving this phantom Comirnaty product. Oh god, how does something like this fucking happen? It's hard to find the words to describe how grotesque it is that the FDA is perpetrating a fraud on everyone, and no one in the media says a goddamn word about it. What the fuck is wrong with you people? The FDA's charter is to protect the public's health. I am not sure how that squares with approving a product that doesn't fucking exist and then trying to hide all the documents related to that approval. But I will try to keep my composure in lawsuit after lawsuit right up to this very day we find the government admitting in court that they have never received a single dose of the FDA-approved Comirnaty product, and they have no idea when they might get it. Obviously, something is very, very wrong here, and I guess I should pause to do the disclaimer. I willingly took the Pfizer two-step last summer. I am not sitting on the sidelines, throwing stones. I'm not some anti-vaxxer. I have the ultimate skin in this game. So when I see Pfizer and the FDA approving a product that doesn't fucking exist, I take note of that. And I recognized immediately in their BLA documents that they had approved something that didn't exist. There's a show in the archive that kind of talks through the biological license application or BLA. And I've also watched these mandate lawsuits very closely to see what the status of Comirnaty is. And I continue to be fully fucking shocked to keep seeing the federal government in courts of law on cross-examination have to admit that they've never received a single dose of the FDA-approved product. Well, guess what? Now we have the answer to when they might get it, and the answer is never. This week, the Centers for Disease Control posted their regulatory update for COVID-19-related drugs, and we learn that Pfizer is simply not going to manufacture Comirnaty ever. (laughs) Jesus Christ, how did we get here? How did we get here? If you're not in the deep weeds on these federal agencies and regulatory postings, uh, basically, the FDA approves medical treatments and the CDC regulates them once they're approved. The acronym NDC stands for National Drug Code. The codes are how the CDC tracks all the various pharmaceuticals that are out there in the marketplace. From the Center for Disease Control's website at cdc.gov, here is their statement. Quote, Vaccines and associated trade names have been approved by the FDA under BLA license. They are listed separately because while they may represent the same formulations as the EUA-authorized and labeled products listed above, the NDCs listed with the new BLA-licensed trade names in the FDA BLA approval are not currently being produced by the manufacturers while the EUA product is available. End quote. Let's stop there. 
that's completely illegal and completely fucked up. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. You just need a shred of fucking integrity. EUA stands for Emergency Use Authorization. The only time an EUA product may be used is when there is not an approved product available. When the FDA approved this Phantom Comirati product, they had a duty to pull all of the EUA shots off the market and use the product that they fucking approved from that point forward. But did they? No, of course they didn't. They just kept right on mandating people get stuck with an EUA product because that keeps Pfizer completely fucking insulated from any liability for harm that their product causes and the money can flow uninterrupted. This is off the charts corruption. I have never seen anything like this. Here's our friends from Pfizer. Here's their statement. Quote, Pfizer received initial FDA BLA license on August 23, 2021 for its COVID-19 vaccine for use in individuals 16 and older trade label Comirnaty. At that time, the FDA published a BLA package insert that included the approved new COVID-19 vaccine trade name Comirnaty and listed two new NDCs and images of labels with the new trade name. These NDCs will not be manufactured, end quote. They're never gonna make a single dose of the FDA-approved product. Ever. Why isn't that a headline? Well, obviously that's a rhetorical question. I know why it's not a headline. I understand that we're such a toxic fucking disaster that we've politicized a pandemic and approved a product that doesn't fucking exist and no one's gonna say a word because they want to be on team good. Like I said at the top, I honestly, I don't blame anyone who's just gonna punch out and not deal with any of this. The level of corruption and dishonesty is mind-numbing. But if you got the stomach for it, Let's go ahead and dig into the information that the FDA had when they approved this imaginary product. I'm not going to fucking call it a vaccine because it's not. And I'm not going to play into the dumb game where you just change the definition when you do something completely fucking corrupt like this. And if you think that sham Comirnaty approval is fucked up, wait until you see what they knew about these jabs the whole time. I will set the table with a quick refresh on Operation Warp Speed. I have talked in more detail about this on previous episodes, but in summary, after the initial COVID outbreak in early 2020, Operation Warp Speed was initiated. It was a federal effort that supported multiple COVID-19 vaccine candidates in an attempt to speed up their development. The federal government changed their traditional practices for vaccine development. Warp speed included overlapping the clinical trial phases and the government allowed manufacturing of products to begin before the clinical trials were even complete. Now, if you're asking yourself, how the hell is that safe? The answer is, it's not. Warp speed intentionally trades safety for speed which would have been fine if they had just been honest about it, but they weren't. 
And then they mandated this untested product on all of us. And I use the word untested deliberately there. I cannot say that the product is unsafe because nobody fucking knew if it was safe or not. They skipped all of the most critical safety protocols as part of Operation Warp Speed. And again, if they had just been honest about how limited their knowledge was when they rolled out the jabs, it would have been fine. But if they had been honest about all the safety protocols they skipped, they wouldn't have been able to turn around and deploy their little mandates, now would they? This is some straight up evil shit, homies. There's no way around it. Let's go to the highlights. From the FDA FOIA document dump, let's begin with safety pharmacology. Safety pharmacology is a key component of any FDA approval. It is the investigation of potentially undesirable pharmacodynamic effects of new medicines on physiological functions, specifically what they refer to as core battery systems of the human body. That's your central nervous system, your cardiovascular system, and your respiratory system. Safety pharmacology also investigates effects on secondary organ systems, such as gastrointestinal system and renal system. That's your kidneys, homies. So safety pharmacology, that's something you would want, right? Study these effects on these core battery systems before human exposure in clinical trials. Safety pharmacologies are required for all components of new pharmaceutical products. They are particularly critical for novel therapies like mRNA technology. Pfizer skipped all of it. <laughs> Remarkably enough, the FDA allowed Pfizer to use World Health Organization standards as their get out of pharmacology safety free card. From module 2.4, the non-clinical overview, quote, no safety pharmacology studies were conducted with BNT162B2 as they are not considered necessary for the development of vaccines according to the WHO guideline WHO2005 end quote. The WHO has no authority of any kind in this area. The F FDA approves medicines in the United States of America, not the fucking World Health Organization. Pfizer can't just waive FDA-required pharmacology testing and replace it with a WHO standard. Well, sorry, correction, they can if the FDA allows them, and that's exactly what they did here. There were zero pharmacology testing done on these jabs. None. Do you understand what that means? It means they have no fucking clue how this novel mRNA therapy will affect your central nervous system, your cardiovascular system, or your respiratory system. No wonder they fought so hard to keep all this shit hidden. Toxicology. A near neighbor to pharmacology 
Toxicology is the scientific study of adverse effects that occur in living organisms due to chemicals. I am pleased to inform you, dear listener, that Pfizer did not skip all of the standard toxicology safety tests. I am not pleased to inform you that the toxicology safety tests that were done used different variations of the Pfizer product. Jesus fucking Christ. They were developing this thing on the fly. So what we find in the FOIA dump is the toxicology tests, some of them are on version 7, some of them are on version 8, another batch of them are on version 9, etc. For the version of the product that ultimately became the EUA jab, there was a total of one toxicology study. In that one study, and it was a rodent study, it was determined that the shot caused the following effects in lab rats. An increase in body temperature, symptoms of fever, an increase in spleen weight, enlarged lymph nodes. The study also noted they had pathology findings in the liver and bone marrow, but I didn't see any additional details on what those findings were. Instead, it was written as, quote, immune system reactions, end quote. Whatever the hell that means. So there's your toxicology safety protocol, friends. This is a jab they're going to mandate into a couple hundred million arms. They did zero pharmacology studies. They did a grand total of one toxicology study. Pharmacokinetics. Pharmacokinetics is the study of drugs, biologicals, and how they move through the body and the actions of the body on the drug. These are questions like, where in the body does the substance get distributed? What is the concentration? How is it metabolized? How does the body eliminate it? All that kind of stuff. In perhaps one of the most astonishing parts of this entire FOIA document dump on the FDA approval of the Phantom Cominardi product, we learn that Pfizer was allowed to limit their pharmacokinetic studies to just the nanoparticle delivery lipids. Now, let me put some context on that. The Pfizer novel coronavirus product, it works by injecting messenger RNA or mRNA into your body. The mRNA carries the genetic information needed to make proteins, but mRNA is a passenger, if you will, if I can use this analogy. mRNA needs to get in a cab to work in your body, and the cab is the nanoparticle delivery lipid. So what the good folks at Pfizer and the FDA did is they did the pharmacokinetic studies on the taxi without ever looking at the passenger even though the passenger is the new and novel mRNA part of the treatment that is most in need of safety study. If we want to go super technical, the Pfizer product is a modified mRNA. It's got two proline mutations designed to lock in the transmembrane protein and an antigenetically optimal perfusion confirmation. What does all that mean? It means the FDA should fucking rigorously safety test it. That's what it means. But, once again, they just didn't. Next up, the challenge trial. 
For those who may not be familiar with all this FDA jargon, challenge trial is a clever name that scientists came up with for when they intentionally inject an infectious disease into a human or an animal to see if they can cure it. I don't want to go off the rails talking about the morality of challenge trials, but I certainly understand why folks might want to discuss that. I am not exactly over at the PETA level of outrage about it, but I can see the logic of not wanting to slam deadly pathogens into innocent animals so we can test our pharmaceuticals, but let's put all that aside. For the Pfizer product, the challenge trial that they did was conducted on a group of primates, specifically McCook monkeys. Don't sweat it though, homies. It's a happy ending for the monkeys. This information can be found at section 2.4.2.1.4.2. There's where the details are. Utah, get me 2.4.2.1.4.2. I told you this was dense material. Anyway, the challenge trial was a group of nine monkeys. Six were given the Pfizer jab and three took a placebo shot that was just saline. So six in the test group, three in the control group. The test group took the standard Pfizer two-shot regimen. 55 days after the second jab, the scientists gave all nine of the monkeys COVID. And none of them showed any signs of illness. <laughs> all nine, completely fine. Apparently, McCook monkeys do not contract coronaviruses. So, obviously, the challenge trial is not based on a legitimate disease model. You can't test a treatment on an animal that doesn't contract the disease. Pretty basic stuff, right? Wrong. Wrong. Here's how Pfizer and the FDA wrote it up. Quote, None of the challenged animals showed significant signs of clinical illness. BNT162B2 provided complete protection from the presence of detectable viral RNA in the lungs, end quote. So, if you are a McCook monkey that cannot contract COVID to begin with, the Pfizer jab provides complete protection. Well, isn't that great? So I could go on and on and on with this stuff, but my head would fucking explode. I was going to launch into the documents related to the human trials next, but that will only further demoralize me. I can give you a quick summary sentence. When you pull all the clinical data out of the zip files that the FDA released and drop it into Python, Jupyter, whatever you're using for machine learning, what you'll end up finding is the placebo group versus vaccine group stats for the efficacy. It ends up at roughly 53%, which obviously contradicts the 95% efficacy claim that everyone was sold on this. But the 53% does align a lot more closely with what we all now know in our real-world experience since these jabs were rolled out and mandated and the whole world found out it was nowhere fucking near 95% efficacy. So let me wind down this portion of the segment by going back to the start. 
this untested product was mandated on all of us. And I still use the word untested deliberately. I still can't say when they were launched the jabs were unsafe because nobody fucking knew. They skipped all of the most critical safety protocols were all part of a giant clinical trial. Pfizer and the FDA did not conduct a comprehensive end-to-end -end test for all the components of this product. The studies included in the approval package were for different versions of the product. And to date, there have been no comparability assessments released. So who knows if the trials on version 8 would get the same results as version 9 or the same results as version 7. The toxicology of the mRNA active agent was never fucking studied. They did the toxicology on the taxi cab and not the passenger. Pfizer conducted a challenge trial on a species that can't even contract the fucking virus. Then they applauded themselves for how well their product did at preventing illness. Pfizer then skipped major categories of safety testing altogether. All your core battery systems? Who knows? Instead, they gave us the fucking worthless WHO standard as the rationale for why none of that was needed. It reeks of collusion between Pfizer and the FDA to push an untested product into the market. And they did it for political purposes and massive financial gain. Now, I am not a religious person. I'm not into any of that invisible sky god stuff. But if there really is a hell, all of these motherfuckers are gonna burn in it. And I'll tell you another thing. If there is a hell, everyone who supported the mandates and wanted to hold down their fellow neighbor and force this into their arm or kick them out of society, hell awaits you too if it's there. Okay, let me try and downshift here and have a quick word about the new adverse event crowd that has popped up due to all of the apparent fraud by the FDA and Pfizer. As we just discussed, there is every reason to reject this product, from how it was created, to how the trials were conducted, to how the Phantom Comirnaty product was ultimately given FDA approval. But instead of keeping it all intellectually honest and on the level, the adverse event crowd has gone off the deep end, and they've started to make wild claims about the number of vaccine-related deaths. If a soccer player gets a fucking cramp at this point, they blame the jab. What's his name? Bieber? Bieber had some face thing happen to him. Immediately, here comes the adverse event crowd. I mean, their rhetoric and hysteria is completely out of control. In fact, they now sound just like the triple-masking Covidians. Homies, approximately 220 million people have taken this shot now. If a large percentage of them were dropping dead, it would be really, really noticeable. I think that exaggerating the opposite side of an exaggerated assertion is moronic. The idea is to be honest and have integrity. It's not to try to swing the pendulum from one side of crazy to the other side of crazy. That's not helpful, so it would be great if y'all could knock it off. But 
I know they're not going to do it because they're just as drunk on the righteous juice as the mandators were. So now it's nonstop excess death conspiracy theories and soccer player heart attack retweets and you're not speaking truth to power on that shit homies you're pushing wacky unsubstantiated claims you're basically pfizer light so cut the shit all right let's bring it home the level of dishonesty and pure evil here it is hard to process it's beyond me why we can't have honesty in the face of a pandemic would you like a quick trip to the alternate universe where people don't elect fuckbags like Joe Biden and Donald Trump, and we have honest public health officials with integrity, here's how it would have sounded. Here is what a true public health official would have told the public back in spring of 2020. Friends, neighbors, look, got some bad news for you. COVID-19 is a very serious and very dangerous virus. It was most likely created in one of our gain-of-function labs over in Wuhan, and then it somehow got out. I know, we probably should not be screwing around creating bioweapons, because something like this is bound to happen. And now that it did, we need a rapid response plan. So, what we came up with is Operation Warp Speed. And what Warp Speed is going to do is essentially skip all of the standard safety testing protocols for the development of a treatment. We're not gonna test it in any meaningful way at all. We're just gonna launch. It's really promising technology. mRNA has a bright future and it may end up resolving many of the diseases we know now, but still in its infant stages. It's the best we got for now and the brightest minds among us generally believe that this mRNA product it's your best bet at reducing harm from the virus that we accidentally released. But once again, we don't really know. The problem is, if we go through all the normal testing to make sure it's safe, we might be dead before it's done. Um, again, on that, our bad. Sincere apologies for the whole gain-of-function bioweapon thing. But for now, the best information that we can give you, public is that the mRNA shot will likely reduce the severity of infection. It's really only marginally effective at preventing transmission in the limited studies we've been able to complete, and unfortunately we've seen some pretty serious side effects, but that seems to only happen in a really small percentage of the people who've taken it. On the other hand, ultimately, you might be better off just going with natural immunity, and using proven therapeutics like ivermectin to try and treat symptoms. So please consult with your doctor, your family, your faith, or whatever your decision-making process may be, and make the right choice for you. We're going to release the mRNA product as an emergency use authorization. Again, the brightest minds we have generally think it's your best option, but we're certainly not going to force it on you it's a really tough spot, and we're really sorry that we put you in this place where you have to decide between trying to use your natural immunity to fight this bioweapon that we accidentally released, or take this untested mRNA shot that might cause you some adverse events, but more likely will reduce the seriousness of your infection. Take care, everyone. Again, we're sorry. 
that ain't really close to what happened, though, is it? The alternate universe sounds kind of cool, huh? Imagine people being that intellectually honest with you about something as serious as a pandemic. Of course, back here in reality, we're a bunch of fucking morons who collectively elect people like Trump and Biden, and they just stand in front of us and lie to our faces and then mandate that you put a fucking untested shot in your arm. It's so insane. And that's before we get into the fact that they have desperately tried to cover up the gain of function research. And more cynically, our public health officials and politicians, they did all of this knowing that their blatant dishonesty about the safety and efficacy would be used to create an army of misinformed extremists who would be happy to jackboot for the mandates. Homies, we all just lived through one of the most fucked up events in history, and none of it had to happen this way. To restore trust in public health, there is going to need to be a brutally honest COVID commission that accounts for all of the mistakes and all of the fraud that happened here. However, I cannot in good faith recommend that you hold your breath waiting for that to happen. For a moment, I did start to wonder, have we gotten far enough away from the fog of COVID propaganda for people to pause and look at how batshit crazy they've been? But I know that that's naive. We are simply too far gone at this point. This is the post-truth world. Honesty and integrity, they have been replaced by cultish devotions, totally fake narratives. The self-righteous among us, they are never going to have a single moment of self-awareness. The uninformed, hateful extremists, yeah, they're not going to be reflecting on any of this. They don't give a shit if the FDA approved a product that doesn't exist. They just want to hold down their neighbor and force an untested EUA jab into them because they're gullible fucking idiots that allowed propaganda to program them into thinking that they're these righteous warriors for the greater good. The people who were most impacted, they deserve better. Whether it's the folks who were infected and caught severe COVID cases, or the unlucky ones who had debilitating adverse effects from the warp speed jabs. I wish I could put our typical arch-indie sense of humor on this for some levity, but the ghouls that did this and the lunatics that cheered it on, they're all still out there, and there has been zero accountability for any of their grotesque behaviors. They're gonna do it again when the next agiprop narrative drops, and that's no joke.